Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Oh, hell yeah. My name is Michael Rappaport. You are now listening to the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. We have a big, banging, brand new I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. We are discussing a strip club in Ohio that has been closed for accepting stamps for lap dances. This week is the 25th anniversary of Midnight Marauders by A Tribe Called Quest and Enter the 36 Chambers by the Wu-Tang Clan. It was dropped. Both those albums were dropped November 9th, 1993, 25 years ago. We're celebrating that all week. Plus, this is it. It's vote or shut the fuck up for real time. I went to UFC 230. I'm going to break that down. I was motherfucking ringside and talking shit, although our guy Derek the Beast Lewis lost. It was a great night. And so much more, plus special guest, 11 fucking seasons, the co-host of the MTV Worldwide Show. It's a worldwide hit show, syndicated all over the world, co-host Chanel West Coast, who's been rocking with Rob Dyrdek from the beginning. She's cool as fuck. She's seen it all, all the guests, all the people that have come through ridiculousness, She's a major hard body karate weed smoker. We're talking about the top five people she's ever smoked with in her life and so much more with Chanel West Coast on a brand new banging I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Miles Jordan, let me get something real nice, something real funky, something real, real proper. Oh. My goodness. Oh, my fucking goodness. Man. Sometimes 
podcasting, it's just it just slow pitches. It slow pitches itself right down the middle to me. And today is one of those days. I don't even know where to start. Today's the fucking day. Listen, if you're listening to this on the 6th, we've been talking about November 6th, November 6th. Voters shut the fuck up. Voters shut the fuck up. I hope a lot of you are listening this on your way to vote or on your way back from voting. I don't give a fuck who you voted for. I just hope you made informed votes. Young people, older people, middle-aged motherfuckers like myself, which I guess I am middle-aged. I've never referred to myself as middle-aged. God damn it. Does 48 mean middle-aged? Fuck me, man. It's time. Today's the fucking day. If you're listening to this in real time, today is the fucking day. Literally, vote or shut the fuck up. Listen, I'm making a pledge now. You know, I wouldn't etch this in stone because uh, if you listen to this podcast, you know how I can get. Uh, however it goes down, I'm going to be accepting of the outcome. Uh, uh, I'm not fighting it. I'm not marching. People vote after all the hoopla. After Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio came out of their fucking shells to do PSAs for voting, all the discussions, all the rallies, all the hoopla, I would bet that November 6th, it'll be the biggest turnout for a midterm election ever in the United States. And the chips are going to fall the way the chips are going to fall. I don't think there's going to be any fucking Russian meddling. There's not going to be any Turkish meddling. There's not going to be any fucking Facebook meddling. The people are going to speak. And hopefully it turns the fuck out the way you, the people who have voted, want it to. But, 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 if you don't vote, don't fucking complain. Don't say a word. I voted. I voted early. I walked you through the steps and the process of that last week. My little two cents is bring a fucking cheat sheet. You're allowed to bring a cheat sheet into the polls. And wherever the fucking chips and the glass and the eggs and everything falls and Humpty Dumpty, however that shit falls, it falls and we got to move the fuck on. That's it. That's Fucking it. Well, obviously, we're going to be discussing the outcomes. People are going to be in their feelings. However, they're going to be in their feelings. But all the talk, all the hoopla. And listen, if you don't vote after all this fucking talk, all this shit that's going on and all the pleas and begging and seriousness, hey, listen, there's going to be a winner, a loser. People are going to, uh, some things are going to go through the way you want them. Some things are going to go, aren't going to work out that way. Uh, but but uh, uh, this is it. The people are going to be speaking, and I'm I'm accepting the win, uh, the loss, whatever the fuck. I think it's going to be a little bit of both. I'm accepting it and moving the fuck on. Okay, I'm not catching a heart attack over this bullshit. I am Rappaport Podcast. So, obviously, I had to bring you up to speed on uh, my win. Uh, yeah, I won. I played uh, Big Tooth Gary Delabonte, Fafafui, Gorilla Mouth Gary. 
And I beat the fucking, I beat the shit out of that dirty, filthy animal. Um, and I want to say I felt the support. I felt the love of the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast conglomerate, the fans, the rapper pack. Um, a couple of people DM'd me, said that they were sprinkling monkey dust in their coffee on Sunday. I needed all the help I could get. I got all the help that you guys gave, and we beat that fucking dog. We beat that animal badly in brutal fashion. It was a no contest from the beginning. Now, you may or may not know, uh, at the uh, urging of the great Howard Stern, Gorilla Tooth Gary changed his team's name mid-season at the urging of the king of all media. The king of all media suggested after he heard some of my voicemails. I don't know if you guys listened to uh, the Howard Stern show, but they played some of my voicemails and Howard uh, uh, was getting up to speed on some of the comings and goings of the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast. And Howard said to... I don't call him Gary. Why did I even call him Gary? Gorilla. Howard said to Gorilla, well, you should change your team's name to Herpes Ridden Failure. We know where this is coming from. And Gorilla, being a fucking dirty ape, being a monkey, being a filthy animal, he did it on cue. Like literally five minutes later, he went online while he was supposed to be at work on the Stern Show, changed his team's name to Herpes Ridden Failure failure to ridicule me okay yes i call him a big fucking ugly toothed horse-faced animal all the time but this was below the belt but the fantasy football gods they don't like ugly and there's a whole lot of ugly with this animal he hasn't won a fucking game since he changed his team's name not one fucking game I beat this monkey's ass 179.5 points to 104 points. 179 to 104. Now, I ain't no fucking mathematician, but that's somewhere along the lines of 75 points. At one point, I thought I was going to beat this dog by 100 points total. That's called lap fucking. That's called beating a guy so bad that you creep up from behind, bang him in the keister, and keep running like nothing happened. So thank you for sending the well wishes. Thank you for sprinkling the gorilla dust in your coffee. Thank you for sprinkling that gorilla cheese on your pizza. It all came in handy, people. I won, and God don't like fucking ugly And I know God loves gorillas, but that doesn't mean God loves ugly gorillas. So um, I went to the garden the other night, Madison Square Garden, the greatest arena in the world, the world's most famous arena. They call it the Mecca. Can't argue with history. That's what they call it. I I I didn't come up with the name. The Mecca, I didn't come up with the name, the world's most famous arena. That's what they were calling it before I was born. Don't blame me. I'm just stating the facts. The world's most famous arena. You, you want to argue with me? Ah, okay. 
Don't, don't argue with me. Or, or argue with the history books, assholes. UFC 230, you know where my heart was at. Derek, the black beast, Lewis, was fighting Daniel Cormier, the heavyweight champion. They call him DC. I'll refer to him as DC. In the headline of UFC 230, uh, got to the arena uh, around 9 o'clock. There was about six fights before uh, uh, Derek Lewis was fighting for the belt. And I got to tell you something, when you are that close, I've had, I've had the, the blessing of sitting uh, on the wood at many NBA games. I've been at NBA practices. I never take it for granted. I'm always like, holy fucking shit. I've been at NFL football practices. I've been on the sideline. I've seen a lot. Of, I've been at fucking ringside for Mike Tyson fights. I've been at ringside for boxing matches. All kind of shit. But there is nothing as like thrilling, uh, confusing, and mesmerizing as watching UFC up close. It is insane. These guys are in the ring fully jacked the fuck up on adrenaline, skill, fear, technique. And one dude, they were like on the mat for like five minutes. Like they were just down there wrestling most of the time. And homeboy, I can't remember their guys' names. This was an early fight. Homeboy, uh, one dude was trying to, his whole thing was, you could see, his whole thing was to try to choke the other dude out. And I'm thinking to myself, imagine being in the middle of Madison Square Garden and, and the whole reason why you're there is to choke one guy out. And the other guy is thinking to himself, I'm in Madison Square Garden and the whole reason why I'm here is to try to defend myself from this asshole who's trying to choke me out and or break my fucking arm. It's insane to watch up close. I was sitting there. The whole time, just like you, it's not like at a basketball game where you could text. It's not like a football game where you could text or a baseball game where you go, oh, I'm going to go get a drink and you can miss two innings and nothing will happen. You're watching this shit like your life depends on it because everything is happening so fast and it's so foreign. You're hearing the punches. You're hearing like the, the, the kicks when they land on someone's ribs. You're hearing the punches, you know, uh, to the body, the elbows, to the fucking cheeks. I was seeing all that shit. It was, that shit's crazy. And I, I never want to go to too many of UFC events because I never want to, like, be desensitized from it. You should be like, what the fuck? Every time you go to UFC, that's about the fourth time I've been to a, a UFC event. And if I'm ever not, uh, not like, what the fuck, I've been to too many. You should always be like, this is fucking insane. This is not like, you know, you basketball, when you're at an NBA game, it's, it's crazy. But one guy's not trying to kill another guy. At worst, like they're trying to like dunk on somebody. You'd be happy to get dunked on in a UFC fight. Those motherfuckers are, they're fucking insane. And you know, if you're not the star of the stars, and most of them aren't, you don't get paid that much money. So I was sitting there thinking, why do you do this? This has to be because you love doing it. Like you're not, your intention can't be to make, you know, millions of dollars because that's just not the reality for 99.9% .9 of the fighters. They don't make Floyd Mayweather money. They don't make baseball players money. They don't make even football players money. They don't even make football um, second string linemen money. 
That's real. They don't make that much money, even the guys that were on the main card. But we were sitting right up close in the second row in the friends and family section. Um, and about, I don't know, 12, 12 o'clock midnight, East Coast time, main event, Daniel Cormier came out, fight my man Derek the Beast Lewis. If you don't follow UFC Cormier, it was like literally like uh, uh, a beast was like Rocky. Like he was like underdog like Rocky. And and I knew in my heart and everybody knew like, yo, Daniel Cormier, he's like a wrestler. He's a wrestler. He's going to try to do some wrestling shit. Um, and that's what he did. You know, the first round was kind of boring, but he took him down. He wasn't beating him up or anything. He was just like on his back doing all that wrestling shit. I started talking shit immediately. Immediately. And I was so close. I know that he could hear me. His cornermen could hear me. He wouldn't stand up and fight. He tainted the fucking garden. I just like, yo, I get that it's, it's, you know, you have to do and play to your strengths, but you're in the garden, the same building that Andre the Giant fought Hulk Hogan in. The same building that Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier fought in the greatest fight of the century. 15 motherfucking rounds. Going toe-to-toe. Let the beast have his fucking shot, DC. So at the end of the first round, when it was clear that Cormier wasn't going to do anything but play it safe, as he should. Because a couple of times when Beast threw some punches that just grazed him, you could see, like, the power was... It's just insane. So when Cormier, who was uh, right in front of me, 15 feet in front of me, came over in, the, in between the first round, I said, Boo, you fuck. Boo! You're in the garden. Stand up and fight. This ain't the Olympics. This ain't NCAA wrestling. Everybody was looking at me like I'm crazy. I said, get up there and fight him, man. Let him have a chance. No one wants to see this wrestling. You're in New York. We want to see a fight. The bell rang, and someone in my section said, hey, bro, uh, I love your enthusiasm, but you know you're in the friends and family section. I go, yeah, I'm friends and family of Derek the Black Beast Lewis. That's who I'm rocking with. And they laughed. No one was offended by it because I wasn't, like, going crazy. I did say you fuck once, but, you know, I was just, I'm a fan. I wanted to see him stand up and fight. Inevitably, he wound up getting Derek the Beast on the ground in the second round. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a good fight. He, he wound up submitting him with a choke out, 10 seconds, you know, uh, like uh, it's probably halfway through the uh, second round. Beast tapped out. And, you know, I was really disappointed. You know, I really wanted him to win. He's our guy. He's an underdog. Um, but, you know, the better skilled UFC fighter won. And, uh, you know... It was just disappointed because, because you know, he's been on the podcast. I've met him, and you, like, you really want him to win. Um, uh, but I tried, I tried my best. I talked my shit. Um, I'm glad that even though he lost, he didn't get beat up. It wasn't like he got hurt. He just, you know, he got submitted. It, it, it is what it is. But let me tell you something. UFC Live is, is nuts. And I could see how, like, the shit happened in the, in the, the Khabib McGregor Fight. I could see how things go nuts because, yo, people are in there, girls, guys, everyone who shows up at, to these things, 
it's not like even a hockey game or a football game. Like everybody's in there, like seems like they they want to fight. Like they're ready to fight. Like they're looking for a fight and some beer and some alcohol. There's alcohol in Madison Square Garden. Then you get like, you know, people get all tribal. You know, there was no like rivalries between any countries, but like Khabib, you know, the Russians and the Irish, or if, you know, you get like a, a British guy and the Irish, I could see how these, you know, turn into incidents. But it was cool. Everybody in the garden was cool. It was fun. Uh, shout out to our guy, Derek Beast, Derek the Beast Lewis. Um, he'll be back to fight another day. But, it, it, yo, UFC Live is a whole, it's a whole other experience. I am Rappaport Podcast. The history of hip hop. Um, I'm not big on these like, you know, 17th anniversary, three years since this and that came out. You know, I'm not I'm not into all that shit. But when something hits a landmark date, it should absolutely be acknowledged and se- and celebrated. And this week, Friday, November 9th, in 1993. On the exact same day, which is fucking crazy. Enter the 36 Chambers by the Wu-Tang Clan. Dropped November 9th, 1993. And on the same fucking day, Midnight Marauders by a tribe called Quest dropped November 9th, 1993. 25 years ago. I was 23 years old. I believe I was in California because I had started acting and I had, you know, moved out there and I had a little $325 a month, literally $325 a month studio apartment, which wasn't that bad. It was a nice size studio apartment. It was in Hollywood. A bunch of stand-up comedians all lived in this apartment on the fuck Carlton Way off of Gower in Hollywood, a real shithole neighborhood. My fucking car used to get broken into all the fucking time. And this is like, you know, my, my first car. My very first car would get broken into, and this was when we had tapes. All my fucking tapes would get stolen out of my car. My radio would get stolen out of my car. And I had my tapes like, yo, it was a big deal to have your mixtapes. You know, you bought the cassettes of 36 Chambers, Tribe, Ice Cube, whatever the fuck you had, all the hip-hop, all the soul shit. Motherfuckers robbed me three times. They got my collection. And one time I replaced the collection. I left it in there and they robbed me again. Broke my fucking windows. Stole my shit in Hollywood. Those fucks. But I'm celebrating this all week. And if you love music and you love hip hop, spread the word to celebrate these two records, which Marauders is 14 songs on the record. And... I think Enter the 36 Chambers is 13 or 12 songs. I know they release versions with acapellas and remixes of M-E-T-H-O-D Man, Method Man. Shout out to Method Man. Uh, Been on the I Am Rap Poor Stereo podcast. Destroyed it. Killed it on the I Am Rap Poor Stereo podcast. So we're talking about 28, 28 songs, 30 songs at the most. 27 songs, we don't fact check at the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, that changed the course of hip-hop. Two of the greatest, imagine that day, 
Like, I don't remember the day. I don't remember the hype and this. I remember, like, you know, obviously at this point, Tribe, this was their third album. And Wu-Tang, you heard a lot about them, but you didn't hear the music. You know, there was hype on the radio, hype in the Source magazine. I'm always so curious, like, was Tribe aware of Wu-Tang? Was Wu-Tang aware of Tribe dropping on the same day? They all knew each other. I'm just fascinated by all that shit. Like, the Wu-Tang studio session was like $300 that the folklore says was paid in quarters. I mean, but these two records changed everything. They're so good and they're so musically diverse and they're so expertly produced. And the sounds of both of them are so different but so similar because their messages and how they were rhyming and what they were rhyming about was so different but so similar. It's so hip-hop. It's so soulful. The, The craftsmanship... Of, of the production of Midnight Marauders was a fucking game changer. Large Professor produced a couple of joints. Obviously, Q-Tip, Ali Shaheed Muhammad. We're holding it down. Fife was in his prime. Tip was in his prime. Entire Wu-Tang was like fucking chomping at the bit. Hungry as a motherfucker to get it popping. Riz's production. The voices. Old Dirty Bastard. Ghost. You didn't know what... It was like, what the fuck is this I literally remember listening to Wu-Tang and being like what the fuck is this shit it was so New York I love both those records so fucking much man I love both those records so fucking much the cover art the Wu-Tang symbol you know all the karate shit that they were doing they didn't even show their faces on the cover they're all covered it's like some crazy shit imagine not putting anyone in the group's face on the cover of a record that's how confident they were in their shit like yo we're like mystery we're like on some like some 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 Shaolin karate shit like you don't need to hear our you don't need to see our face just hear our voices and of course the Midnight Marauders cover was like a party was like a celebration of all the influences and friends and comrades and um People they had worked with, people they want to work with, people that were in their circle. The Beastie Boys are on the cover. Busta Rhymes is on the cover. MC Light is on the cover. You know, it's just like, yo, the whole, the whole community was on the, on the cover. You know, everybody was invited to be on the cover of that magazine. And, you know, I got to, to obviously document Tribe in the documentary I made, Beats, Rhymes, and Life, of uh, Travels of a Tribe Called Quest. And I'm going to rewatch it, not to rewatch my work, just to reminisce on Tribe and reminisce on Midnight Marauders. Obviously, all of it is is sad by the loss of Old Dirty Bastard and the loss of, of Fife Dog. I mean, so 25 years, man, of Midnight Marauders, 25 years of Enter the 36 Chambers, game-changing music, game-changing records, um... From, from two of the best groups to ever do it, it's beyond hip-hop. Their shit was so good, it was beyond hip-hop. It's like when I was talking to B-Real on uh, episode 500 of the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. Some of the shit that Wu-Tang was talking about, like, should never have been pop music, but it was so good, it was so real, so genuine, that it crossed over. And Tribe was just in a fucking zone on Midnight Marauders. So all week... um. I'm personally celebrating uh, these records, and and I suggest you listen to them. 
over and over and over. I made myself a dope-ass playlist called A Tribe Called Wu-Tang, and I'm going to continue to talk about them. Try to pull a rabbit out of my ass, no Bruno, and do something special for for that record on on Friday's episode of the Iron Rap Poor Stereo Podcast. But imagine that day. You must have been like, what the fuck? Like, you listen to Marauders, and then you listen to Wu-Tang, you're like, what the fuck? It was obviously a special day, specifically in hip-hop, and a... uh, Yo, golden era. I call it the platinum era. Uh, just the, the the museum quality era of uh, hip hop, man. They both just shut shit down with those records. Said golden era. Uh, now I got to talk about gold teeth. So uh, the other day, I announced uh, that we were doing a giveaway on the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. Old G. Paul Wall, Paul Wall Baby from Houston, friend of the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast, fan of the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast, a guy who is a really, really, I call him a sick fuck of the week digger. He's sending in some gems. I, I got to tell you, Paul Wall is about that sick fuck of the week life. He sends me some rare shit. Um, and I encourage everybody to send us in any sick fuck of the week candidates you have, because they're out there. They are out there. It's nonstop, on and on to the break of dawn. But we announced we were doing a Paul Wall grill giveaway. Paul Wall offered up to do a custom grill for a fan of the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Some motherfucking gold teeth. And I said, I said, go on Instagram. If you don't have Instagram, you got a cousin, a friend, a nephew, brother, go on their Instagram, log in to I am Rappaport, DM me and the Dust Brothers a video saying why you think you should be the winner of the Paul Wall Grill. I thought it was going to be about two or three people. Well, lo and fucking behold, it went a little wild. We've gotten like, I don't know, 30 fucking videos. All guys, by the way. I encourage the girls too. If you want that grill, send the video in. But at this point, it's gotten out of hand. And this is what I am asking the fans of the I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast to do. I said that we would be announcing the winner today. Well, it couldn't happen because... There's so many great contenders, so many great candidates um, that I need your help. Please go to the Instagram page of the podcast. I am Rappaport at I am Rappaport. Okay, look at the last 15 videos or 16. We have the top 15 videos left. Okay. And then hashtag who you think should be the winner. Because I can't pick a winner. Use the hashtag. Hashtag rap, R-A-P, grill, G-R-I-L-L, winner. You know how to spell winner. Hashtag rap, grill, winner. And please help us pick the winner. And if there's any more people, go to at I am Rappaport on Instagram. 
DM your video. We got a guy saying he wants to win just because his teeth are fucked up. We got an Uber driver saying that he thinks it'll help him with tips. One dude rhymed, killed the shit. I mean, a lot of people have put in some fantastic reasons why they are the winners. So I can't pick it today. We're going to pick it on Friday's episode. Please help us pick the right winner. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. You'll see. People are really laying it on the line why they should win those motherfucking custom gold teeth. I am Rappaport Podcast. All right, speaking of fans, um, I got to give a shout out to this dude. This motherfucker, I don't know why you didn't give us a heads up beforehand. So, an I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast hard body motherfucking karate fan fought in the last you know those fights that they have a fan my motherfucking man michael gray g-r-e-y instagray 904 i think he's from colorado went out there kicked fucking ass at and then was talking shit to the deplorables I don't know why, Michael Gray, you didn't let me know you were going to go out there and fight. First of all, we would have sent you some sucker shit gear. I would have sponsored you. I would have did like how they, those boxers used to get the little, the fucking, the, the spray paint. We'd have sponsored you. I am Rapport, sucker shit. We'd have, we'd have spray painted your back. Nonetheless, he hit me up about this afterwards. He won his fight and then he talked shit. To the deplorable, so I, I want to give a shout out to my guy, Michael Gray, Instagray904 on Instagram. He sent me videos of his fight. Um, he kicked ass. It was dope. Congratulations. My man was so hyped, he actually wound up getting disqualified because he hit the dude when he was down. He had already fucked him up. But a win is a fucking win in my book. So shout out to my guy, Instagray. So speaking of the fans, some fans have hit me up. Uh, uh, asking uh, where G Moody last name rhymes with duty is. Um, and the other day we uh, dropped a very clear explanation on, on premium. Premium I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. If you don't have a subscription to that, first question is why the fuck not? Um, second question is why the fuck not? Nonetheless, a couple of days ago, I dropped a very, very detailed explanation. Uh, I spoke uh, uh, very uh, uh, frankly um, I uh, didn't talk anything, didn't talk greasy, but I, I, I tried to be as, as clear as I possibly can without perpetuating the situation. Um, so here is a remixed, reimagined mini explanation for the people that have asked, uh, why hasn't G Moody been on the last few podcasts? Here is a little tidbit from the last premium I Am Rapport Stereo podcast. I wanted to uh, get into this a little bit in the most respectful way possible, and hopefully this will clarify a few things right now. Uh, we just finished episode 500. The last episode that uh, Moody was on was episode 487. It was either episode 487 or episode 489. The day that we recorded episode 491, Moody was scheduled to be on the episode... Um, but then 
was sidetracked because he was doing something uh, with his daughter, which happens uh, with me, which happens with Miles Jordan, and of course happens with Moody. And, and the reality is this. Uh, Moody started doing his own thing, and I found out about it, and the Dust Brothers, Miles and Jordan, uh, found out about Moody doing his own thing the same way the fans found out about him doing his own thing. There was no discussion. There was no conversation. Uh, we looked up and we heard that he had started his own thing. I was as surprised as you were. I was as confused as the fans. I am the fans. We are the fans. So when he started his own thing, um, it wasn't because he wasn't on episode 491. It wasn't because he had missed a few episodes here and there. Um, it wasn't because of, it was for reasons unknown. And reasons that, you know, to be honest, I'm not discussing. I know there's been some conversations offline. Uh, I know there's been some DMing. I know there's been some inciting. I know there's been some encouraging of, you know, ask rap, ask rap, ask rap. I know there's been some playing of the victim. I'm going to leave it at that. There's no sucker shit going on. There's no betrayals going on. Listen, we're friends. You know, friends, relationships, you go through ebbs and flows. Will Moody be back on the I Am Rap Poor Stereo podcast? I'm sure he will. Yes, he will. Did you hear me, Willie Hutch, this fucking guy? You want me to, is that what you want? Is that what the fans want? You want you 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 want blood? You want Miles? Turn on the Willie Hutch. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not gonna fuck with Willie Hutch, G Moody. You want me to? I yell on this cocksucker, G Moody. Your fucking breath smells like duty. I'm not doing that. So as far as uh, what's Moody doing? Where's Moody at? Uh, what what's the big drama? There's no big drama. Listen. I share a lot of things with everybody in the world on my Instagram, on my social media, and most specifically this podcast. When I have a fight, an argument with my wife, do you see me talking about it in grave detail on the podcast? I don't do that. When I have an argument, a disagreement on the set of Atypical, do you see me talking about it on the I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast? I don't do that. Trying to be as transparent as I possibly can, but we're not characters. Michael Rappaport and Gerald Moody aren't characters. We're real people. Yes, he is the black Ed McMahon. Yes, I am the white Arsenio Hall when we do the podcast. But in real, real life, we're real people. And you go through ebbs and flows. There's no beef. This is a real life friendship. Uh, it'll be real life worked out. And, uh, you know, Groups go through ebbs and flows. Go watch Beats, Rhymes, and Life, The Travels of a Tribe Called Quest. Big difference with some of the stuff that goes on in hip-hop is that me and Moody have been friends, will remain friends. I hope that clarifies it the best uh, for now. Okay? That's it. <sighs> change the fucking subject. We're going to lighten up the mood. Miles Jordan, let me get the sick fuck of the week theme music. Yes, yes, yes. This is a uh, award-winning I Am Rapport Stereo podcast staple 
This is the Sick Fuck of the Week theme song. This is an award. It is earned, not given. It is an award that is earned, not given. It goes out to a certain person with a certain je ne sais quoi. Not everybody has the panache, the charisma to be a sick fuck of the week. And I have to say this first person isn't the sick fuck of the week in terms of the I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast standards and practices, but he is a sick fuck of the week. And I don't make light of this at all. In Florida, not even in funny Florida, in fucking Florida, a motherfucker walked into a hot yoga class, into a yoga studio of all places. A fucking yoga studio and shot it up while people were in there trying to exercise, trying to get their namaste on, trying to better themselves, basically meditate. And a piece of shit went in there and shot up the place. There were fatalities. And yo, you know I fuck with my hot yoga. So, so this hit, hit home for me. But even more so, can you imagine that this is the kind of shit that we got going on in this fucking world? We got motherfuckers walking into yoga studios and getting people in their most vulnerable state. With their guards completely down. This guy is not an I Am Rapport Stereo podcast sick fuck. There's nothing to celebrate or make light of. But he is a sick fuck in general. I can't remember which uh, a fan sent this to me. Because I literally, I'm backed up with my sick fucks. It's just, they're on top of each other. One after another, after another, after another. But a Scottish man was, uh, thought it was funny. Uh, I don't know if it was sexual. He just thought it was funny to uh, have his English bulldog lick peanut butter off his balls and asshole. English bulldogs are not violent dogs. They're not even aggressive. They're not even like, you know, biters that could really hurt you. Obviously, this bulldog wasn't having a good time licking the smeared peanut butter off money's Cock and balls. And the English bulldog took matters into his own hands and bit part of money's loaf off. That's what you get, you sick fuck you. That's what you get. You're humiliating your fucking dog. Dogs are supposed to be your best friend. That's supposed to be your homie. You don't think he has feelings? You don't think he has pride? You don't think your English bulldog has a sense of self? That's what the fuck you get. This is a sick fuck of the week, and I'm glad you lost the tip of your motherfucking dick. That's what you get. This is a slow pitch right down the middle. It's like softball. Slow pitch, no spin. Right down the fucking middle, sick fuck of the week. In Ohio, in Harrison Township, Ohio, the Ohio Liquor Control Commission revoked their permit of Sharky's Bar, an entertainment establishment. These sick fucks in Ohio are taking things too far. This is a strip club. You could call it an adult entertainment, whatever the fuck. It's a fucking strip club in Harrison Township, Ohio. I can't even imagine the type of chicks they have in there. No disrespect. 
But if you're a stripper in Harrison Town, Ohio, eh, shit's not sweet. Shit is not sweet. So these cocksuckers were not only accepting money from the patrons. No, that's what you normally like. You throw a dollar, you get a lap dance. No, these fucks in there after a five-month investigation were shut down because they were letting customers, patrons, buy lap dances for food stamps. You could go into the strip club. If you don't have money, you can use your fucking food stamps to get a lap dance. They could buy drugs with food stamps in this joint. Look it up. Sharky's Bar in Harrison Township, Ohio, has been shut down. Apparently, they were making tons of money. For food stamps, you could get yourself some heroin, some fentanyl, some carfin, I don't know what the fuck it is, coke, meth, and of course, lap dances. The owner of this place, the general manager of this place, congratulations, you are now, and I am Rapport Stereo Podcast, sick fuck of the week. Uh, and this is, uh, I have to figure out a way to process this. Uh, like I said, uh, uh, on last week's podcast, we said that we're going to have to start doing categories. This is the only way to keep track of all this. Cause we're coming to the end of the year and we're going to obviously have to pick the sick fuck of the year, but going into 2019, we're going to keep the sick fucks in categories. We're going to be dog fuckers, uh, you know, uh, nude, you know, people that run around the street nude, uh, uh, you know, the different, the different levels of it, you know, drug induced sick fucks. Uh, you know, all, all the different stuff that we deal with. Um, this obviously would go in the bestiality section in Thailand. Listen, I don't know. I've been to Thailand. I, I didn't see any of this, but this is like a hidden black market, dark web thing in Chiang Ma. I'm not saying it right. Chiang Mai, C-H-I-A-N-G, Ma, Thailand. An animal rights group has uncovered a fucking bestiality club. A club of sick fucks operating near the Thai capital. A man has been accused of running a bestiality club where you can go in there like a whorehouse, but not to fuck girls, to fuck dogs. This is, this is a real thing. This is an actual thing that they're doing in Thailand. Some sick fuck. They found dozens of living dogs and cats. In this bestiality club, the investigation has not been resolved. There was a DJ. like you. It's like walking into a strip club. It's like walking into a house, but to fuck animals. This is all things sick fuck. It needs to stop. And next year, we're going to categorize you. I mean, it's a fucking brothel. It's a bestiality brothel. That's what they call these places. I don't know if there's any other, if there's been another case of this around the world, but that's that's what I've named it. A bestiality brothel. All right, listen. See, I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Uh, I urge you, please, listen, we got this contest going. I told you where to go. Go to I am Rapport. Hashtag the winner. Rap grill winner. Help me pick the right guy. Coming up next, 11 years on a worldwide syndicated show. She came out of fucking nowhere. She talks a lot of shit. She's got a crazy story. She's been around everybody. The co-host 
of the MTV show that will end when they want it to end with Rob Deerdick, Chanel West Coast. Talk about who was cool when she did the show, who was she tripping out off of when she did the show. And she's a heavy, heavyweight weed smoker. I met her at some Snoop Dogg, like heavyweight, triple OG weed smoking event. Like she's about that weed smoking life. So I talked to her about the top five people she's ever smoked weed with. And it's a fantastic list. Coming up next on the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast, from ridiculousness, fashion maven, fashion icon, Chanel West Coast. Stay with me. Listen, it's getting a little cold around, okay? You can't just walk around in uh, shorts and a t-shirt, all right? And Menlo Club is a men's subscription clothing service that delivers incredible product straight to your door for only $60 a month that will have you looking fantastic and it's easy to figure out. Each month, you get two to three curated items of clothing shipped directly to you to help you build a thorough and well-balanced wardrobe. Guys, I've said it once. I've said it a billion times. I don't, I don't know how to dress, okay? Menlo Club has me looking sharp, and it's easy. I don't have to think, okay? These guys have been in the fashion game for 16-plus years, so they know what they're doing. Do you even like shopping? I don't. Are you too busy to shop? Are you too lazy? It's stressful. I don't like it. I don't like figuring out the color coordination. Menlo Club makes it simple. Leave it to Menlo Club. It's simple. You go out and pursue your passions and dreams, and the Menlo Club will have you looking sharp doing it. How easy is that? How incredible is that? Fall has fallen upon us, so you need to keep warm while looking sharp. Go to themenloclub.com. That's the Menlo Club. T-H-E-M-E-N-L-O club.com. Use the promo code CHAMP, that's me, and sign up and get a double package for your first month for only 60 bucks. Getting money every day. Bagging chips, Frito-Lay. They want to see you fall like a domino. But I'm going to keep it tight like a pantyhose. They don't know you. Ain't never there. Count your digits, want to share. Bitch, you better get it all on your own. You only come around when I'm in a zone. Chanel West Coast, out on the West Coast. Yes. <laughs> I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Glad to have you. I'm very glad to be here. How you doing, Chanel? I'm good. Um, first, we have to, we have to uh, deal with the elephant in the room. You came to my home and, and you told me that your dog... Is also named Wheezy. Yes. <laughs> My dog is infamously named Wheezy. He's the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast news dog. Yes. And and I thought that was totally unique. Um, my dog was named Wheezy because I got him in Louisiana. Um, and the rest is history. And you have an imposter dog? This is an imposter? Impo- I'm Wait, how old is your Wheezy? Uh, my Wheezy's nine. Oh, okay, my Wheezy turns eight tomorrow. So I so guess. So this is an imposter dog. Like, is your dog big? Like, did <laughs> no, you... he's a little dog, and okay. I named him after Little Wayne. Okay, all right, fair enough. People think that my Wheezy is named after uh, Louise from the Jeffersons. I get that all the time. Well, old people tend to think that. I was actually in the park in New York, and there was a little old lady, and she's like Wheezy, Wheezy, and I'm like, is she calling my dog? And then I realized she was calling her dog Wheezy, and I asked her, I'm like, oh, what'd you name your dog after? She's like Wheezy from the Jeffersons. <laughs> so yours was named after Little Wayne. Yes. All right, so it's not an imposter. No. But it could could be. I mean, you could just come clean. You're on the fucking podcast. It's like, 
All right, so <laughs> Chanel West Coast. Um, how, how many times have you been asked where Chanel East Coast? Uh, all the time. All the time? I thought I was fucking original with that shit. Yo, everybody always asks me where Chanel East Coast, and then they always are like, is West Coast your real last name? And I'm like, really? really? Is Chanel your real first name? No, it's my middle name. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. So Chanel. And I'm actually very East Coast, too. My dad's from the East Coast. I was conceived on the East Coast. Did you grow up in New York? No, it's a long story. My parents hooked up in New York. Mom moved here when she was pregnant. And then I was born and raised here. But I've been going back and forth to visit my dad my whole life. Okay, and I didn't do like a whole like deep dive into you because I yeah. want to stay current. But one thing that I did see when I did a, like a sort of Chanel West Coast dive is your father worked in radio? No, he was a club DJ in New York. Who, who, who what was his name? Was he somebody? D- DJ Seth K. Little small Jewish guy. <laughs> okay. And he's, he's a little small white Jewish guy, but he's, you know, very much down with all the black people. So okay. he's always been in like the hip hop crowd. Yeah. Okay. And are, is your mom Jewish? No. So you're not, so you're not Jewish. So I'm not full Jewish. No. You're half Jew. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. Chanel West Coast, remind everybody or tell me where you came from. I, like probably most of the world, saw you when Ridiculousness, which just had its 10th season. 11th 11th fucking seat who would have thought i never would have thought it went this long but i'm like let's keep going why not how did you wind up on that show uh well it's, it's such a long story i actually was on rob's other show first fantasy factory okay and that happened through i met rob through my myspace music page back in the day i was pursuing my music i've, I've always done music since i was a little girl so i always knew that it was like what i wanted to do okay and so i had a myspace music page and i just used to sit there adding people all fucking day long being like check out my music white girl rapper check out my music and through myspace i added drama his cousin drama and then i added all of drama's top friends and Rob was in the top friends. Long story short, I became friends with these guys and he ended up doing Fantasy Factory. He needed somebody to come play a receptionist for one episode. Right. And he was like But you you weren't his receptionist. I wasn't a real receptionist. Okay, you were like a hired you were hired to be the receptionist. I was a TV receptionist. Got you. So acting, but not getting acting credit. <laughs> Got you. you. You were getting like, yeah. Being treated as a real receptionist. Everybody thought I was his real receptionist. Um, but he basically asked me to come one day and we filmed like a little viral video with Carl's Jr. And they were like, okay, rap about a burger. I'm like, what? Rap about a bur- How many things can you say about a burger? So then that day they were like, they, I guess they thought I was really funny. And they were like, do you want to do this permanently? I was obviously confused. I'm like, permanently, do you want me to keep faking being a receptionist or be a real receptionist? They're like, no, you're just going to be a receptionist for TV. And I've always been, you know, I knew like through doing music and at that time in my life, I had seen a couple reality stars trying to do music and I felt like people don't really take people on reality TV serious. What year was this around? Because now we're like, what? so this is 2018 now. So we're talking. This is like 2009, 2010. Okay. And, and so I got on, I, I was like, you know what? At the time though, I was broke. I grew up, you know, no money. I'm like, I can't pass up this opportunity. So I took the job and. Got on Fantasy Factory, and then Rob had Ridiculousness coming out. And I think they actually at first auditioned a couple other girls or something, but they probably realized Chanel laughs at every single thing Rob says. She probably would be perfect for this. So then they asked me last minute, hey, do you want to come film this pilot for this new show? I was like, why not? And then I now here I am <laughs> 11 seasons later. 11 fucking seasons later. Do you know how many episodes they've done of the show? I'm asking. I don't know. I wasn't going to like throw it at you. Now, like, now we're just lost. Uh, it's like 300 something. 300. <laughs> I mean, this is, so it's basically like, it was like the Bob Saget, a real home videos, but it's hipper, cooler, yes. a little bit more violent in terms of the videos. Like <laughs> yeah. they, they're, they're a little bit more aggressive. Exactly. And it's like the kind of thing where you think, I wish I would have fucking thought of that. And 11, this show could go on probably for as long as you guys want it to go on. 
I think I'm not sure. Well, yeah, I think right now we know we have a right now we're in a deal for another 100, 160 episodes. We've already knocked out uh, like 80 of those. So I'm not sure if after these 160 episodes we're going to get picked up again because right. it's like a big we like Rob did like a huge deal with MTV. Like, let's just bang these out and the show. But the way it's going, I'm like, who knows? Maybe they'll come back and be like, let's do it again because we're pretty much the like the number one show on MTV. And and worldwide, how big is ridiculousness? It's huge. I don't even know the exact number of countries now. It was like last time we checked, like something like 60 countries it's on in. But it keeps growing. Like for a while, it wasn't on in Asia. Now it's on in Asia. Um, Old episodes, new episodes. Like it's just, it yeah. never, it's like Gilligan's Island. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. Because um, they're sort of timeless. Exactly. I mean, some of the references could change, and the styles might change. Well, you could tell you could tell it's an older episode by how I look. I basically get better with age, so if I don't look as cute, that's a really old ass episode. <laughs> do you feel like you've gotten better with age? Yeah, I really do. When I, you look at when we, because you're like a style chick, like you don't thanks. fuck around. Yeah. Like I mean, keep it a hundred with me. Yeah. You came in here, you got like the flash shit on, thanks. you got the Bart Simpson, or no, the uh, Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead, like, but like, is there like a Sunday where there's nothing? Oh, you mean where I'm not? Like, we're nothing. Like, oh. this This is a getup. Like, th- does this take a long time for you to d- do this? No, well, really, she, she saw me. My girl Juliana, who's with me, saw me. I was like, I literally just pulled this out of my suitcase. I brought this with me this weekend as a possible outfit to perform in. Didn't make the cut for that, so I just pulled it out of my suitcase right now. Like, let's throw this on. So this is just a hand-me-down for the <laughs> I Am Rapport stereo. But, like, I didn't get, like, no fly original shit. <laughs> Well, it's a performance outfit, so you did. I okay, was like, I'm okay. going to put on a performance outfit for okay. this podcast. So you did get a really good outfit. Now, now in terms of like this, like, because this this is like, I dressed up for you. Like, this t-shirt <laughs> is like dressed up. Like, I'm not a fashion dude at all. Yeah. Like, I'm really not a fashion dude uh, to the, you know, this dismay of my wife. But like, if you were saying this, what is this called? Is this casual chic? Is this... <laughs> A podcast afternoon, like in your head, like where can you go in this outfit besides the I Am Rapport Stereo Pockets? Like, could you go to a premiere in this? Like, what is this? It depends on the premiere. Like, I just went to the Venom movie premiere actually wearing a similar style pants because I felt like, you know, it was, it's Venom. I was like, I don't know, go a little bit more like rocker, like dark looking, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I kind of go with the theme, like, of, of things like I feel like this was going to be fun. This is more of like a fun vibe outfit. So, okay. Yeah. So when you like, if you're like, if it's just a Sunday, you won't recognize me if it's just like a d- off day. Like, like I'm, a- I'm a bum. Like literally, like hair in a bun, sweats. Like I actually like to be like that because then people don't bug me. Do they? Is it seriously? Because because when we see you, you're done up. Yeah. Like and and I and I respect that shit because it's like people. I, I, I'm fascinated by like that kind of image because people have such preconceived notions and they don't get the business aspect of it. And something that I truly respect about you is that you're about your business, you're about your hustle. Like Very in much. the beginning, people were like, who the fuck is this fucking girl, white rapper, Rob Deere? Nobody knows anything about what it took to get me to where I am, you know? Right, and I respect that. And so, but so, but when you're like on a Sunday morning, like you literally, you, you when you're like nothing, in terms of no fancy Beavis and Butthead, no fly yellow <laughs> shit. No, like, are you less recognizable? I, I think so. It's usually they recognize me if I start talking or laugh. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I have like, I like this, like, I think it's that with makeup. I mean, I have blonde hair, first of all. So my eyebrows, you can't really see them without makeup my, me on Me neither. People are always, that's one thing people talk <laughs> shit to me about. Yeah. Where's your eyebrows? Right? And I'm like, they're fucking here. They're thick. They're just blonde, you motherfucker. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, let me see your joints. Well, I have them colored in right now. But do you bleach them? No, they're my natural. Like, I mean, do you, do you darken them? Yeah, I dark. Like, I darken like how them. do I make my shits darker? Can you, like, give you me. You gotta go, you gotta go and get, like, some eyebrow, uh, 
powder or they have like gels. There's all kinds of different can things you can color the Can you text me that information? Yes, I will. For real, because that's one thing I don't like because I'm like, I do got fucking eyebrows. No disrespect to the people that don't, but like my shits are here and they're, yeah. they're fucking thick. Like they're hardy eyebrows. Yeah, no, it's and people when I don't have makeup on, they're like, where's your eyebrows? That's like the number one comment when I don't have makeup on. Do you feel like, fuck you, I got eyebrows, motherfucker? I do feel like that. It, it really annoys me because... I actually, like you just said, like they're a little bit hairy. I don't really groom them as much as some girls groom their eyebrows, but um, I guess they're not as hairy as some people's, so you still don't really notice them. <laughs> now, as far as a fashion thing or like a, a look, eyebrows seem to have become en vogue. Yes. Like thicker eyebrows, like sort of like um, the artist. Um, uh, uh, Rihanna did a play on her once where she did the, uh, what's the artist? The spat. I don't fact check, whatever. <laughs> but 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 like the thick eyebrows as a woman, this yeah. is now like cool. Cause at one point it was like the real thin joints. Like is, is thick eyebrows in? I think thick eyebrows is in and I think it's gonna stay in. I think the thin eyebrows just look like kind of like clown. Like you almost look like a character. And I think thick eyebrows, it really brings out like your eyebrow bone. I think it just brings out the eyes. It just makes your eyes prettier. I think that's how it became like a thing, you know? Okay, now your music is, uh, is real. Yes. Like you, your music career is a real thing. Very real. Um, <laughs> you take it seriously. Um, I listen to music. I like your music. It's better than I think people think. Yeah, because nobody takes the time to go and listen. Um, it's funny. It's like my... And I'm hardcore fucking super fucking yeah. critical. No, like, and this is the thing. So I've had... The reason I keep going and I, I believe in myself, despite all of the weird abnormal hate I get is because I've had so many people in this industry who are very respectable people, uh, Grammy award winning artists, producers, songwriters, constantly co-sign me and tell me you're dope. Um, every feature I've got from every rapper, I never paid any of them. I don't know if they're like, if they want me admitting that, but everybody jumped on my songs for free. Literally like from Ty Dolla Sign, French Montana, Be Real, Snoop, um, everybody, they, I played them the song. They were like, this is dope. I'm going to get on it because they believed in it. Why none of them blew up? I don't know. I just think timing is everything. Maybe it's not the right time for me yet or something. But um, I also think, too, like, I, I wrote a lot of music. Like, you know, I, like I said, I come from nothing. And when I started to have money, I, I got with Young Money. I was with Young Money for a period of time. We got to come back to that because I want to hear all about that shit. Yeah, we will. Um, <laughs> but I think I started talking too much about, like, flashy shit and bragging as, like, you kind of naturally do in rap. And I think that coming off of being on TV, being a little white girl, and then talking about all this flashy shit, it gave people this like perception of me that I'm some spoiled brat or something. And maybe nobody knew like my struggle. Why, why is this girl a rapper? So now I'm doing a lot of music where I'm kind of taking it back, like back in time, telling my story where I came from before TV, my struggle talking about, you know, my life with my mom growing up. And I have songs talking about way more like real subject matter. And I'm singing a lot more now. Okay. Um, because I do sing. The reason I started rapping was because I didn't really know how to write singing songs. So I always wrote poetry since I was like eight years old. I loved poetry. I always wrote poems. It was something I've always done. And so rapping just kind of came naturally. And then through working with producers, they were like, hold up, can you sing? I'm like, yeah, I can sing. I just need a little bit of help. Like, tell me, give me some melodies, you know, help me out with the writing. So I've been working with more songwriters and getting much better at like the singing stuff. Now I'm getting better at writing my own singing stuff too. But um, my, my new music now, like I can't wait to drop it. It's it's about to shut everything I've put out down. Do pretty you, much. you feel good about it? Very good about it. Yeah, and I would is, love to play you some, like not now, but when when is it coming out? Um, well, I have a single coming out soon called Sharon Stoned. I like that. And I actually Sharon Stone's going to be in the video. She's she's in the video. Yeah, we haven't shot it yet. We shot part of it, and then her scenes with her we're about to shoot in a couple weeks. That's fucking dope. Yeah, it's going to be sick. 
that's going to bug people out. Is it Sharon Stone, the casino vibe, or is it Sharon Stone now? Like, what sh- version? Because she's had metamorphosis. Is it the, you know, the cross leg shot? Like, what? Or you can't, you don't want to say? I'm not going to give it away. Let's just say a couple of the things you just mentioned. You'll see a little bit of a remake of that in my video. It's really pay- like paying homage to Sharon Stone and like the videos, like, I'm coming in like kind of like the new, like, young badass Sharon. She's kind of like passing it down to me type thing. You I know? got you. So, yeah, you, I don't want to give it away, All but right, it's gonna, go. I think it's going to be, like, probably, like, the biggest thing I've put out yet. And Sharon Stone, uh, b- before we get to Young Money, you're about your weed life. <laughs> like, you've, you've been sort of, like, also, like, on the forefront of it in terms of, like, through just the 11 years that the show's been on, Ridiculousness, and being a Los Angeles girl yeah. and being, a, you know, part of the scene and all that stuff, you've seen the, the growth of illegal to oh shit like yo there's the shops which yeah. i remember the first time i was in the shop i was like what the fuck like is, exactly. like am i gonna get in trouble here like <laughs> yeah. and then now it's like fucking out in the open yeah uh uh what's your weed game what's your take on the legalization are you an edible are you a smoker break down chanel west coast like your whole weed profile okay so because you're old like you're like like you, you're like as far as like a chick and small. You're you're not that big. You're you're small. How tall yeah, are you? I'm five two, five three. You you you're hard body with it. Yeah. Like you could smoke. I can smoke. Well, I've cut down a lot mainly because of the singing. Um, Fucking with your voice. Yeah, I mean. You don't well, want to sound like Teddy ben- Pendergrass. No disrespect to <laughs> Teddy Pendergrass. <laughs> Right. Well, when so when I was a little girl, I was a singer. I, I was in choir, always performing in talent shows. My mom's the type of mom that always be like, "Sing for my friends," because you know I, I was a good little singer. I was like a, you know, you see these videos of like Christina Aguilera and like Beyonce when they're little girls. Like that was me very much. Always the performing kid, always singing. And I started smoking in like middle school, and I think that that really uh, messed up my singing voice and I started rapping. I kind of stopped singing for a couple years. So, and then when I got back into it, I realized, Oh shit, I can't hit the notes I used to. Like I, I literally grew up a singer and then realized I wasn't singing as good. So I had to cut down. Um, you grew up a singer, became a fucking stoner and then realized it was fucking up the singing. Exactly. Yeah. It was cool for the rap game life. Cause it's like, obviously, you know, being a little white girl, then people see how good I can roll a blunt and like that I can smoke outsmoke them that helps you know in the little in the street credibility i guess you could say are you a good blunt roller the best well swishers i roll the best swishers i roll the best duchess too but um backwards i can't really roll like i don't that's just like a mess to me <laughs> do you think that a uh, uh, blunt rolling is something you can learn or is a skill you're born with because me personally i think it's like handwriting you either <laughs> have good handwriting or you don't like you can improve it i kind of agree with you some people just cannot roll a blunt. I don't care how many times they've done it. Like, they just roll it's terrible just a, blunts. It's just, a, it's like a touch. It's I, like you could, some people can naturally kind of tinkle on the piano. Some people can roll blunts. So you 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 can roll blunts. I'm very good at it, yes. But I don't, I don't even smoke that many blunts anymore. I'm like a real, like. Are you an edible person? No, edibles make me just pass out. What I, are you into now? I, I, I'd smoke, like, I'll take bowls. Um, really, I need to smoke because, and I think it's actually a natural thing that happened for me. When I think back about when I was a kid, I was always the kid. I got in trouble for talking too much in class. I was basically always in trouble for talking too much, being disruptive in disruptive class. Disruptive behavior. Like, literally, I was, like, the disruptive kid, but then it never made sense because I always had good grades. And here in, like, California, they grade you on, like, your actual grade, and then it's, like, cooperation and, like, something else, like how you are in class. And I always had, like, bad grades on the other shit. I got you. I think that weed started to help me, like, focus a little bit. Uh I was very ADD as a kid, like, jumping off the walls. I barely slept. I wouldn't sleep without weed. I'm a a naturally hyperactive person. So, like, I'm the type of person I could smoke... 
a lot and still be wide awake, I think it helps me, it calms me down and like it makes me like focus a little bit better. Like sometimes I'm too all over the place. You know? So where are you at with the, like everybody's in on the, 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 it's like the fucking gold rush. Where is Chanel West Coast in terms of monetizing your image as a weed person? Because you are like definitely like you've been, you've been yeah. on the front lines for a while. Well, I just had a, a weed box with Daily High Club. It's like accessories. It's not a weed box, you know, it's tobacco accessories, but um, smoking products. And I just dropped that with Daily High Club. So you can get that. I'm going to be coming out with my own strain. We're just working on that right now. <laughs> okay. Now, I, I know uh, you, you're friendly with Snoop. We're going to get to, I don't want to forget, I want to get back to Young Money, Cash Money. Okay. Uh, you're, you're friendly with Snoop. Excluding Snoop, because cause I know that you've, you've smoked with Snoop. Yeah. Who would you say, at this point in your life, and it could change, your top three, top five people you've smoked with, you'd be like, yo, I'm with an iconic smoker here. Okay, one of them was with Snoop, uh, Quentin Tarantino. You, Snoop, and Quentin Tarantino? Yes, we were at Polo to Dawn, who was my old music producer. We were at his house party. And next thing you know, I'm like getting the blunt pass to me from Quentin Tarantino. I'm like, this is, this is epic. So that's definitely a very epic person. Wiz, obviously. And Wiz is the best. Like, he's just like, he's a very giving smoker. Like, he will like pass his joints, his blunts, always. Like, he's, he's the coolest. He's like a young Snoop, basically. Another cool person, uh, Mac Miller, rest in peace. Mm. I'm so sad about that still, but he... He was a heavy smoker too. Like when actually when Mac was on our show for the first time, they were like filming some kids show down the studio and they were like, hey, like there's smells. We got to get rid of it. He was like, oh, my bad. I didn't know kids worked here. Like it was really funny, but he's a big smoker too and a funny person to smoke with. Um, I've smoked with a lot of people. I don't know, like a lot of people in the studio, like so many artists. It's hard to like name them all, but I would say those are a few of the top people. That's a respectable good list. I like that. Oh, and definitely Wayne. Obviously, little Wayne. Is it, now who who out of them would you say they're like the heavyweight champ? Now you just mentioned some hard body people. Snoop is hard body. Uh, Snoop is the biggest. I mean, he he's hard. Like he's like the Mike Tyson of smoking. When I first smoked with Snoop in the studio, my eyes felt like they were like I started to get so paranoid because my eyes felt like they were like almost like crusting together in the corner I was like I had to literally like take my finger and go and like open it back up it was like gluing shut because it was just like so I was I mean I don't think I've ever been that high in my life okay all right that's that's a respectable fucking list um young money cash money you were signed to them it's complicated yeah it's long story (laughs) well well, like that's like an iconic group dudes Hood, they've had their own crazy shit. Like, what is that like? What was that like? What the fuck is Young Money, Cash Money, like your experience like? Was it like? Well, it was a little complicated. Um, I actually haven't like fully like talked about like this whole story with a lot of people. Um, But let's just say that I've heard or been told that possibly one of the reasons that I guess Birdman and Wayne had a little bit of a conflict was because of a situation that had to do with me. Um, In regards to what? Well, I was first offered a deal from Cash Money. And that was when I was signed to Polo to Dawn. And at that time, Young Money was booming. It was like Tyga, Nicki, Drake, all as a click. And obviously, Young Money's under Cash Money. But it was really like you wanted to be down with the Young Money click. You know what I'm saying? And so I had a few people around me that basically told me, they were like, nah, dude, you got to be young money. The cash money offers great, but we got to make sure that you're also young money and that Wayne gives you that cosign. 
let's I'm gonna try to like make this as short as I can. I ended up meeting this uh, people who manage Wayne. They loved my music. They and they agreed. They said no, no, no. They said we gotta take you to meet Wayne. Let's make this Young Money, right? I his company. Yeah, and Young Money's under Cash Money. Right. So at this point, I was basically holding off signing a Cash Money deal to try and get. The, the Young Money co-sign. Right. From what they told me, they were like, yo, it's going to be all love. We all one family. I'm an innocent bystander in this. I don't fucking know. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, yo, I have people telling me I need to get the Wayne stamp of approval or I'm not going to pop off like I should. So I'm going to, and I felt that way too. I mean, my dog's name's Wheezy. I named my dog Wheezy before this situation. I'm a big Young Money fan, you know? So I was like, I was like, I, I want to be Young Money too. And they told me it was going to be all love. Birdman was going to be cool with it. Everything's great. But they were advising me that I needed to get out of my deal with Polo because from what we found out, it was a really like crazy production deal I had with them where basically he like owned, owned me. Um, uh-huh. I gave away, I didn't know what I signed. I signed it when I was young. Gave away like a huge percentage of publishing, merchandise, all that shit. And it, it just wasn't the best deal for me. So they were advising me, get out of this situation and come with young money. That took forever. Through that time, I'm trying to get out of this deal. That was a year of my life I wasn't allowed to uh, legally release music because of the complications was what my lawyer told me and that year was the year Iggy blew the fuck up so she kind of beat me to the, the white girl rapper thing that year um, even though I, I'm pretty sure I've been rapping since like I don't know before. do you like Iggy Azalea? Um, I, I'm a fan of her hustle let's just put it that way I think she's a fucking hustler uh, I think that hustling can get you very far in life and she definitely has the hustle let's just leave it at that <laughs> but um, like this is I mean I've been doing this shit my whole life you know my dad's a hip hop DJ hip hop dancer since I was seven like writing poems since I was eight I didn't just fucking decide to rap out of nowhere like it's my life you know I got you so basically uh, a couple other things I had heard at that time was that so I was switching over to being managed by the same people that managed Wayne also they also managed Nikki. Then we start to get inklings that Nikki doesn't like me. That's just what I hear from little mouths in the in the clicks chirping, telling me they're like, Nikki doesn't like you, da da da. It's gonna be a conflict. Next thing you know, the management's telling me it's gonna be a conflict, whatever. Basically, uh, I kind of just had to separate myself and kind of go do my own thing. So I pretty much took myself out of a deal, dropped my old management to go through this whole scenario with young money and Next thing you know, I'm just uh, waiting forever for my deal to get done. And then all of a sudden, Wayne and Birdman are having beef. Uh. And then and then a TMZ article came out saying that their beef was because of me. Oh, shit. And, and I, are you like thinking like, I'm just like. I was like, yo, I don't got. I was like, I was just trying to get the proper record deal. Be down with Wayne and Young Money and Cash Money. Like, it's all love. Like, I think it was a ton of miscommunication from just like a bunch of different parties. And it was just all confusing. And you like, know secrets, though. Like, like in terms of like this, this you've been in this business so long. Like, you're a girl. Yeah. Guys talk to girls. Um, guys, you know, are gonna they're gonna spew to, to girls. Like, so how do you navigate knowing, like, you know, because we know sometimes hip hop could get beyond just business. You could get like into a more serious thing. How do you navigate? Like, you're like, yo, I'm just trying to fucking move my career along. Yeah. These guys are like, fuck you. Fuck. It's turned into like, how do you? As a girl, as a white girl, as a girl who's just trying to fucking do, as an artist, just trying to, how do you navigate that shit? Because you're obviously not going to be like, suck my dick, motherfucker. <laughs> like, you're not going to get on that shit. Yeah, no, I mean, I like I said, it's, it's all love with everybody. I think just certain things didn't work out. And I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason. Um, so I just think that maybe, I don't know. I, I, I don't really know how to navigate other than just to keep 
working. Right. <laughs> I just keep working. I keep making music. I keep trying to get better at my music. And I keep trying to be different. I'm always trying to... Um, I'm always trying to think of the new like thing that somebody's not doing or like style-wise or whatever. Somehow it, it all gets copied from me and done by way more famous people and then they get the credit. But uh, but yeah, I just I just keep working. Like who, who gets the credit? This is so I so many people. It's like I can't even keep up. Like just so many things I do from hairstyles to to outfit looks and like it's like two days later I see another celebrity who's got a much bigger following wearing it. And I don't even think it's the celebrities copying me. I think it's a lot of their stylists. Because I know a lot of these stylists follow me. Um, so I think the stylists kind of use me as inspiration for other people. Uh -huh. Because they know, oh, she's only got 3 million followers. I'm styling somebody with 30 million followers. So I'm going to take what this girl's doing because nobody's going to think that we took it from her. I got you. And it happens to me left and right. So let's just say a lot of things you see all of these biggest artists doing, I think, came from me. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, like I don't, I don't let it get to me. I just keep, keep going, you know? Oh, obligatory top five list. Give me your top five alive rappers, alive? rappers that are alive. Oh, so, man, so excluding excluding the great uh, and Biggie Smalls, who usually make uh, one or both of them usually make a list. Who are your top five rappers? And, and it's interchangeable. And even if you want to add a six, a cherry on top, you can do that. And I just have to put out here first and foremost that Tupac like is the sole reason I rap. Basically, um, no problem. So we can't include him in this list because he's dead. But let's say, okay, Alive, Eminem. Okay. Jay-Z. Yes. Lil Wayne. Definitely Drake. Okay, okay. I'm going to say Big Sean. Okay. Also, I think he's very underrated. Okay. I think he's a sick rapper and... I don't know. Like, I, I've seen him perform live and he was so good live too, which I think is a thing a lot of rappers lack. They have a tendency to not be as entertaining live as they are in the song or the video. Okay. Big Sean's great live. Okay. So I think he definitely, I'm not mad at that list. He deserves a spot there. <laughs> That's a solid list. Um, what is your take? Because you're you're so much in pop culture, you understand pop culture. Kanye, Kardashians, it's been like a fucking sort of crest <laughs> of craziness. What is your take of the whole fucking thing? Um, I really love Kanye, so it it hurts me that he gets um he says a lot of crazy things and that people you know, everybody's looking at him like he's a, like you call him kooky Kanye. Everybody's looking at him like a straight kook right now. I think that I, I see a little bit of what Kanye's trying to do. And I see like the love and like, I can't explain it. I feel like he's like trying to unite people. And like, I think maybe he thinks that he's taking the right approach at doing it. Like maybe like, like maybe he's like, hey, maybe if I show people that I'm down with Trump, I can make, you know, more people be down with Trump and we could all unite somehow and da da da. But I think he's, he says a lot of stupid things and like all these, uh, it's just like, it's not the right, it's not the right way of uniting people. I think that's like what his goal is. Right. Is to unite people. Right. It seems like, especially, I mean, he's got probably, now he has mixed children. He's probably sees my kids are growing up and they're three different races. They're black, white, Armenian. And I think that he's looking at it like he sees so much, because I do too. I mean, I never saw so much segregation and separation until like recently with social media, like growing up, I went to school, all, all my best friends, I'm the only white girl in my group of friends. Like my best, one best friend is Mexican Filipino. My other best friend's black. My other best friend's Persian. My other best friend's another, uh, you know, Spanish, Argentinian. It's like everybody I hang out with and I grew up going to school with a melting pot of people right. and everybody hung out together. You know, I, I, I Wait, think- But you said social media because like on social media, well, you, like you see some crazy shit. I like think people social say media, wild shit, I think, right? I think there's so many people on social media that come from places where it's not like LA. It's not like New York. And I think that 
they're speaking up so much. And I want to help those people. I don't think racism should be anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think they should speak up. But I think that they don't understand that a lot of us didn't grow up like that. And a lot of us, we've grown up in a melting pot, you know? And just because... Just because somebody supports Trump, for example, I don't think that necessarily means they're racist. Right, you know, right, I'm not a Trump supporter. Right. I think he's a buffoon. Right. But do I think that if somebody I know supports him that they're racist? Right. No. I think that maybe they support him for their own fucking reasons. You know what I mean? I think there's like all these weird things going on where it's like people are made to look racist when they're not. And I think a lot of bad things are just being said about people and stuff. And I think that it's just like it's so much like anger right now i'm just like yo everybody needs to come together and chill out and make this about unity we all bleed the same color i think that the next movement needs to be like we all bleed red <laughs> like right. you know what i mean like maybe i'll start the movement shit let's start it now hashtag we all bleed red you know what i mean like it's like everybody is human and i think that that needs to be something that we all start pushing really hard i got you you know what i mean I, absolutely um uh cardi b Nicki minaj their their whole feud their whole thing well like are you a Nicki minaj fan uh, <laughs> I like her music, but just from knowing that she literally does not like me. Why does she like you? I've heard these from, I mean, I've heard from people. I, I, I'm not even, I'm not about blasting people, but like, let's just say I've heard that she's literally screamed about me on phone calls being like, don't manage Chanel, which is why I don't have the same management as her, which I was supposed to at one point in time. I mean, if you watch my I Love Money video, Cortez Bryant is in the middle saying, we got a motherfucking superstar in the making talking about me. So I think at that time, um, those things were making her not happy. And I can understand if I was in her position, I get it. You know, I, I maybe I would be similar, but um I'm a fan of like her music. I definitely think she's talented and everything, but I don't think um, I don't think she's like as f like like friendly and nice as she should be being in the spotlight. I think that when you're in that position, you need to be a nice person and spread positivity. And especially for a female movement, I, I don't think she's as much about females uniting. I think that like she really wants to be the number one top dog female. And, and then I, everybody could unite underneath her. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't think that's the way to do it. Like it's like, yo, you should be like the big sister. You, you already know that you've been number one for the past so many years as female rapper. Take that and now shine your light on some other people and help out some other people. Maybe you should go sign a female rapper. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, right, right. But Has no, she never signed a female rapper? No, Nick, no, she's not worried about that. She's worried about Nikki being number one and that's it, you know? Like, that's what it seems like. Cardi B, let's just put it this way. I've met Nikki once and it was when we all went on stage to an accept award for best group of young money. Uh -huh. I was on the album with them so I got a BET award with them for that. And... The vibe, it was just like, you could tell this bitch didn't like me. She walked the opposite direction of all of us after we got off stage, you know? I met Cardi B once, and she was grabbing my ass for a picture behind, you know, we were at a fashion show. Grabbing my ass, like, holding me like she's my bestie. Right. Never met the girl. She's sweet. She's a sweet, down-to-earth yeah, yeah, person. Yeah. And I think that that is why she's succeeding. Yeah. I think that she's rising to the top because she, I think that good things happen to good people. And I think that, you know, she was so herself on social media. She didn't care what anybody thought. She was always funny, goofy, just being herself, saying real things that people could relate to. Right. And I think that's why she is where she is. I think Nikki is where she is because of talent and being a true boss chick, but I think that it's certain qualities about Cardi that have made her now go further. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, because she's fucking talented. Yeah. Nikki's fucking talented. No, Nikki's really talented, but I just think it's all about being a nice person in this business, too. That's a very important thing. Um, Besides myself, because we all know that that was probably out of out of the uh, 11 years you've done the show, and the 300, <laughs> who were the people you were most excited to uh, have as guests on Ridiculous that so you were like, yo, I'm a real fan. Obviously, me first. You don't have to put that in the list. 
Uh, but who were like some of the people throughout the years you were like, yo, this is everybody's come through. So many. Um, well, when Snoop first came, I was really excited, even though I already like knew him and um, outside of the show. Like I was just so excited for him to be on it. I love Snoop. He, like, you know, I'm a West Coast rapper. Like, Snoop's an icon. Um, so I was super excited about Snoop. There's been so many people. Kevin Hart I was really excited about because I knew that I would be laughing so hard the whole entire time. Um, you know, I didn't... I don't think I realized until she got there. Kelly Rowland. She was just a guest. And I actually, for the first time, almost got... I'm just talking about it, I almost got, like, tears and started crying because growing up, I performed with my girlfriend's Four talent shows doing Destiny's Child. Every time we did Destiny's Child, we won first place. Every time. It was like Destiny's Child was our good luck thing. And I told Kelly that. I was like, you know, growing up, I was like, I performed Destiny's Child for four talent shows. We won every time. So Destiny's Child was a very big influence of mine. And like, she's probably the first musical artist we've had on the show that I can honestly say was like a very big female I looked up to. You know what I mean? Like Destiny's Child is like one of the biggest groups since I was a little girl. Like... So I like, I realized it when she was there, I was like, oh my God, I'm getting kind of teary eyed. Like, I can't believe I'm such a fan, you know, like I kind of realized it once she was there. Oh my God, like I'm the biggest fan ever, you know? Right. So that was like the, probably the first time I've ever got teary eyed about anybody. Uh, who else was, oh my God, so many fucking people. It's hard to, oh my God, Mike Tyson. <laughs> Mike Tyson, he's just like, just the way he talks is so funny. Like, he's just like. Every time he would open his mouth, I was cracking up. Like he's just such a funny guy, and he's so down to earth and like sweet. I feel like he's such a character. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me try to pick one more. You were great, Thank obviously. You. you too. Thank you. It's hard. That's those, a good list. Those are a few of my favorite people. I, I did, even though Larry King tried to diss me. He On was the show. Kind of, well, he called me. So he, he basically asks because a lot of the times we get guests, and depending on how much they're talking or whatever, sometimes I don't even get a chance to talk. Right. You know, it depends on wh- how much the guest talks. Larry right. King's a talker. He kept talking a lot with Rob. I wasn't saying a lot. So Larry King literally goes, like, "What do you do here? Are you just a prop?" And I go, "A prop? Uh, no." I said, "Actually, outside of the show, I'm a songwriter. I rap, sing, dance, write all my own music, and I'm the person that." looks cute here, and laughs at all of these guys' jokes. <laughs> That's what I do. No, I'm not just a prop. <laughs> did it make it in the show? I think that did. I don't know. I never watched it, but I thought it was hilarious. And also, it was just so funny. That day, he brought his old friend with him, and his old friend fell asleep in back of the— Of course. His and, whole crew's old. His, his friend— Larry fucking king. His friend was snoring so loud, they had to go wake him up because you could hear it over us taping. So that was just like a really funny thing to me, that, that he was so old, and his friend who came with him was so old that he fell asleep and was snoring. <laughs> Um, did you did you ever imagine, because you've been rocking for a while now, did you ever imagine that social media, particularly Instagram, would become what it is where, like, motherfuckers have life's careers made huge, fi- they make a lot of money all through, I mean, did you ever imagine this shit? Like, I, what is your take on social media in terms of, like, being a girl, you know, you rock it. I rock it. You know, you rock what you got. What is your whole take and philosophy on like Instagram, social media and like monetizing it and pumping your image, pumping your music? Well, I have a couple songs that I'm about to drop where I'm talking about a lot of the subject matter um, about bad ways. I think that social media has changed things and affected people. Um, For starters, I think uh, it's crazy now because I don't know if anybody's noticed. I feel like we're all the same age now. 
Is it like, is it just me or is it 10 year olds and 50 year olds? We're all the same fucking age now. It's like, there's no separation in what kids and adults know or do. I look at these 13 year old girls. They got so, they look older than me. I'm 30 now. And I'm like, I see girls, I drive by my old high school and I'm like, these girls are going here. Like they look like they're my age. I feel like now girls are wearing all this makeup and like dressing all sexy at a young ass age. And like, it's a lot of like, I think growing up way too young now because of social media. Mm. I don't want my kids like that. I'm like, hold up. Like I see some crazy shit. Like I was at Coachella and let's just say a couple of these like little Instagram girls that I know are like 16 are out there partying with like 40 year old dudes I know. And I'm like, Do your, does your mom know you're with this guy? You know what I mean? Like, hold up. That's weird. Yeah. It's just weird. It's like 16 year olds are now like acting like they're 25. And yeah, yeah, that yeah. shit is all weird to me. I feel like kids need to know you're a kid and just because you see a 28 year old woman posing in some lingerie that she most likely was paid to pose in that's me <laughs> um that doesn't mean that you go and do it you're a kid you you wait till you're an adult wait till you're a woman no it's fucking gone dude even even young guys there's like these young guys on here that are hot and i'm like oh this guy's kind of and then i find out he's 18 i'm like ah get me out of here <laughs> like what the heck like that's just it's just a lot of like growing up way too young in social media. And a big problem, I think, with it is there's this thing where it's like people can have cool personalities and cool looks and they're becoming musicians and artists or musicians. Well, the personality is is more important than the music. It's it's crazy. It's tra- I'm not with that shit. Like, you got a personality, like you're, you're funny or goofy or you got good fashion and, like, then, like, you, you put your shit out and, like, your shit is not as good as your look. Your shit is not as good as your jokes. Like... Go to do stand-up comedy. Yeah. Go to the fucking Laugh Factory. Or even with some, like, some of these girls, too. Like, millions of followers, and, like, they're mostly known for being hot. But they, like, do skits and stuff. And, like, the skits aren't even funny. And I'm like... It don't matter. I'm like, you're not even funny. Why are you... I, so that's why I'm actually now starting... I'm starting to do skits. Because I'm like, I'm an actual funny person. And I cannot stand that people are literally blown. I'm like, if this is what it's going to take, then let me let me show you guys I can do a little bit of this too. You want a skit from me? Okay, cool. Like, let me give you some skits and they're actually going to be funny and make people laugh. So I'm starting to get into that. I can't wait to drop this one that I just did. Um, it's just like a lot of mediocre talent becoming really famous. And then I think that a lot of people are overlooked because they don't do too much. Like, right. you know what I mean? It's like, some of the people who you see, they're twerking in their bathroom all day long and posting videos of that are getting all this love and attention. And I'm like, yo, I'm out here really making moves. I don't got the time to sit here and twerk in videos on my fucking Instagram all it's day. It's crazy. I'm in the studio writing what I hope is going to be my first big hit. Like, do those people, do those twerkers that are doing that shit, like, are they making money? Because I, I don't know how, like, I'm like, why are you keep twerking? Is it just for the follows? Like, is it like, why is your ass there? Like, I get it if like, oh, yo, it's definitely I'm a- for the likes. All, all, I mean, girls just want attention. And I think that it's like, you know, sometimes with my girlfriends at my shows, we'll joke around and be twerking and post like a little funny video. But mind you, we just got done performing like a full set. We're not just twerking in our bathrooms. You know, it's like we're dancers, we're performers, like maybe show a little booty pop. But I feel like the overness of like twerking in your bathroom and like, or on your bed and like. It desensitizes me. I'm a grown fucking man. <laughs> and I'm like, at first I was like, oh shit. And they're like, it's like literally like fuck. It's like an Applebee's commercial at this point. It's like <laughs> yeah. nothing. Like it's so common now that it's just like, I, I don't, I don't. All right, now this, I'm over a lot of the social media. I, shit. I hear you. I hear you. All right, this is uh, totally anonymous. I want to hear. You don't have to name names, but you got to tell me. I mean, you've probably got. If, if you wrote a memoir someday, I'm gonna write a book about just my whole journey through this career. But if you wrote a tell-all, like I mean, I I can't even imagine. The conversations and the propositions you've got from name brand people. But I want off the top of your head, no names. 
either anonymous DMs from this one and the craziest propositions or conversations you've had. Like, you're like, this one said this, but you don't have to name names from celebrities, people we know, but you don't have to name names. Crazy shit that you've like, if you do this, you'll do the, like, I want to hear. Because I, I, I honestly, I haven't had anything too crazy. I, I will say I've had like the most random people ever slide in my DMs. So many random people. It's like it shows. I guess it shows that I'm a very like, uh, what's the word, like chameleon of a of a person because of the type of people that all. I'm like everybody thinks they got a chance. <laughs> I'm like literally, it's like from athletes to comedians to actors to the array of guys. I mean, it really does show. I'm like, I guess everybody thinks that I'm I'm very broad with my taste <laughs> because I get so many people sliding in the DMs. And is it usually a hey? Or is it like, what would get your attention in the DMs like that you'd be like, like, how does it work? Because I can't even imagine being a, a young girl in this society because I just don't know. Like, what do they do? Like, what is what do they say? Like, what, like, how does the whole thing well, work? I have, he wants to know. I have my DMs turned off from like everybody. I only can get DMs from people I follow. Gotcha. But now Instagram made it to where, so like, say for example, if a person has like, Five million followers. They're most likely a celebrity or something. If I'm not following them, they'll still let that type of person pop up. So they're like, okay, you might know this person. We're going to still shove it in your DMs even though you don't follow them. So occasionally I get a few people I don't follow that are celebrities that make their way into the DMs. Uh-huh. Um, but so celebrities don't usually act like super crazy or anything. But I've just had like a lot of like really flirty guys like slide in and I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing I'm like do you guys think I'm like a hoe or something that I'm just like here like hey holler at me maybe it's like too many sexy pictures or something but let's just say it's been a lot of different guys yeah if I were to blast all these guys it would be so if I were to tell you all the names it's just the funniest list like of people and it's eclectic list (laughs) yes um jail mail do you get jail mail oh from people in jail yeah no but I've heard that I'm very popular there. My friends... I'm sure you're real popular well, they, there. Well, Ridiculousness is one of the main shows they let them watch because it's like a you know oh, the, the type of show that they're like their last... So they watch it nonstop. And I have a lot of friends in jail. I grew up with a lot of hoodlums. And okay. I have friends in jail. So one of my friends one time, we, me and my friend, we were talking on him. Like He called us from jail. And he's like, yo, he's like, you got to sign. He's like, you got to sign something for me, like one of your Maxim pictures or something. He's like, I, he's like, nobody believes me that I know you, man. He's like, I tell them all the time. And then my other friends, uh, he said his dad painted a picture of me in jail, which I still have yet to get from him. But he's like, yeah, like apparently like people tell me this all the time. Oh, I just met some guys in Hawaii that had just got out of jail. And they're like, yeah, we watch all we watch in jail was ridiculousness. So I think I'm popular amongst um but no jail mail i haven't got it i guess they don't have a way of finding my address which is a good thing better off (laughs) um all right and finally you have a lip line like lip gloss lipstick and how do i get my own lipstick (laughs) chanel what the fuck like i want to try to because like kylie jenner is she's a fucking billionaire off this shit well yes um, close to a billionaire yeah, I think Can I do a, like a lip line or for, for guys like if you have maybe blonde you eyebrows? Ha- maybe you should create like the guys eyebrow color eyebrow like gel or something for guys like you who need to color in their eyebrows. <laughs> but but what is, what is what is the makeup that's coming out? So I have these things coming out. They're, uh, they're called Glossy Pops. It's a collab I have with this company and they're new. Basically, they look like lollipops. They're the cutest things ever. Great stocking stuffers. Okay. Great stocking stuffers. And they're very broad too. It's something that a little girl will like because it looks like a lollipop. They're all decorated. Very cute. But it's also something a grown woman would like because it's lip balm on the top. Oh, wait. I have one with me. I'll show you. This one is actually not from my custom line though. This is just like one of the overall glossy. I pops. see. But basically, it's. I got you. Lip oh, that's balm dope. on top. 
And That's then dope. on the inside, it's lip gloss. Okay. And then I, so I have five coming out. And two of them are lip balm with lip gloss, and then three are lipsticks with the inside as lip liner. Okay. And it's like a little set, custom Chanel West Coast set. I mean, listen, when my eyebrow thing blows up, I'll give you a little percentage. <laughs> All right, Chanel West Coast, um, music dropping soon. Yes, Sharon Stone, stay, stay tuned for that. I'm waiting on that shit. I also got a single coming out with uh, my boy Dice Soho. Okay. He's a new, like, up-and-coming rapper. I don't know if you've heard of him yet, but check him out. He's really dope. And uh, the song's called I Be Like. And okay. so those are my next two singles I'm going to be dropping soon. And then after that will be the album. All right. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on uh, the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. I'm a fan. You're a nice person. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. And um, Chanel West Coast. Fucking, I- you're an icon now. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> 11 motherfucking years. You're a fucking icon. I guess so. Yeah. It makes me feel old every time I say 11 years. I'm like, no, it was two years. <laughs> no, it's, but you're better saying 11. Checks are better. All right. <laughs> Sippin' on that Bacardi Out for the night And I don't fuck with nobody I ain't got no time for you If you ain't ballin' I ain't offended you probably No, I never say sorry Baby, keep on walking. I don't fuck with nobody I offended you probably I don't fuck with nobody Baby, keep on walking. I don't fuck with nobody I offended you probably I don't fuck don't fuck with nobody. I don't know nobody. These bitches get body like it's a hobby, secret society. I'm up at the party. No, they can't fuck with me. They're down in the lobby so they can't find me your man if you're stuck with me. I stay in my zone, I stay in my zone, I stay in my zone, yeah. I feel like I'm gone, I feel like I'm gone. Give me one more, yeah. Don't need no drama. To see that pride. I get what I want, but then I want, yeah. Sipping on that Bacardi.